Welcome to my podcast, where the truth is upheld and my life journeys are unveiled. Let's go. First John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. As I've been on this journey of marital separation, I've been able to look back in hindsight and put into perspective my lifelong ambivalence with the usage of love. Love is a term of endearment. And as human beings, we use love very casually, very casually. And I dare to say even oft times without solid meaning because it has become so rhetorical to our language. Love you. Okay, have a good day. Love you. Okay, bye-bye. Love you. Okay, see you soon. Love you. And it becomes this colloquial term that we use with one another. And we're well-meaning. One is well-meaning when they're expressing this term of endearment. But the root, the root, the root of love is God. Do you know God, listener? Do you know the Lord God as your heavenly father? Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin, grieving you when you are getting ready to go the wrong way, or giving you such a warm sense of affirmation when the job is well done? Is this your experience? As a survivor of life, who is walking in a committed fashion with the desire of my heart to live in truth, to speak truth, to represent my true emotional state at all times, not hiding behind fig leaves, but one who is earnestly seeking to live in this world And try as hard as a human can try to lean and depend on the Lord God for instruction. I can even say myself that I must err on the side of caution when I use the term of endearment towards another love. Growing up in our in my uh, immediate household, in the immediate household in which I grew up in, we were not told that we were loved. 
Love came into fruition of an action. So things were purchased, things were done, or things were not purchased and they were not done. So that is how I learned and began to gauge love by way of acts of service, but not terms of endearment. But the Lord has allowed me to understand a better scope of the human makeup when it comes to this thing called love over life. And over this life's journey, I am understanding that even some of the most well-meaning actions in this human experience can still have an undertone of selfishness and denial, of misunderstanding or misinformation, being misinformed. Traditionalism can drive us to a place that we do the same things the same way over and over and over, generation upon generation, until one day we are enlightened by the Holy Spirit and we wake up. And in that moment, in that season, when you see like a person standing on the other side of a glass, looking back at the rewound footage in your mind, you say, oh my goodness, all this time, I was doing something. All this time, I've been acting and reacting out of programming, but none of it is sincere to my understanding. None of it is sincere from a Christian standpoint to the fundamentals of the relationship that I should have with the Lord God. So therefore, out of quasi-love is what I am coining that. We then even operate in our spiritual relationships with the Lord God out of an, out of an action of doing works. The word of God clearly says, That faith without works is dead, but also works without faith is dead. And so this is where we must be careful as believers in Christ when we're doing, 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 that we're not doing, doing, doing out of our own human strength and desire. Are we really catapulted by love or we catapulted by results? Are we catapulted by selfishness because we understand in this human experience, typically when you reciprocate something, when you give something, it just may be reciprocated back. So therefore your need is felt. Or are we doing things out of a sacrificial love, the type of love that God shows without any expectation in return? Are we saying to someone that we love them Because it's out of the genuineness of our heart and we're not looking to penalize them or be punitive towards them if they don't say, I love you back. Wow. In the bounds of relationships, some of our closest relationships in family, friends, dating, marriage, we must be careful with this thing called love. I'm coming like this on this episode because as I stand back and have these out-of-body experiences during this journey, during this isolation, during this separation, during this woke period of my life, 
I'm able to speak on truth and stand on truth because I'm not compromising. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard from me in a while, it just may be because whatever human horizontal relationship that we had is not conducive to the journey that I'm on, but I still have love for you. But the God that I serve with whom I love has given me an instruction, an instruction to be careful about the influences in my life. Because I can't bite my tongue to save face and save relationship with someone else when God has told me to say what I got to say. Love. What manner of love is this that God will send his son down to die? Sacrifice. When we are put to the tests of love, When we are put to the tests of love, of sacrifice, uh, in humility, when we are put to those tests, we will truly be able to see exactly where we are. Exactly where we are. Oh, if I could just have a conversation with Abraham. If I could just talk to Abraham, I would love to know as a human being who has li- who lived the relative life that we live on this earth what was going through his mind when he and his well-to-do well-strengthened son was walking up that mountain and in Abraham's obedience I'd like to know what was going on in his mind what was turning in his heart listener As I've been on this journey and I look at this thing called love, I've had to knuckle up to the truth and the reality that if a person doesn't know God, they do not know love. You may know lust. You may have love for someone And that would figuratively be your quasi-love that you've learned. But I'm talking about the epitome of love. If someone does not know the Lord God as their heavenly father, if someone does not believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and is convicted of that in their heart and can say, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe in the person and the work of Christ. I understand who the Holy Spirit is. I can resonate with the Holy Spirit's leading. If these concrete examples of the personhood of the triune Godhead is not able to be clearly articulated from a person, you must question when they tell you that they love you, where does that word come from? Is it from a space of loneliness? Is it from a space of guilt? Is it from a space of enabling? Is it from a space of traditionalism and rote programming that they've been programmed to use this word, love? as a term of endearment, as if it is a part of the hierarchy 
of understanding in human relationships. This is so for real. When we examine the words that come out of our mouth and why we say what we say, the Lord for me in my own walk is constantly pruning me and growing me day by day in what I don't say. Because nine times out of 10 for me, what I'm not saying is what I don't understand. And so if we can be honest about the things that we don't say, as well as the things that we do say, and ask the Lord God to bring understanding and clarity where the understanding is clarity is needed, then we can then pass on a legacy of truth based on learned understanding and revelation by the Lord God. So that when we say we're Christians, we say we're believers. For those of you who are married, when you say that you're reverencing your covenant under God and that you're reverencing your, the love that you have for your spouse under God, but when you're asked what it means, what can you say then? Don't tell me what you were told. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? And it's not enough to do things to satisfy a person's need when it's not coming from a true place in your heart. When it's not coming from an honest, you are just saying what you need to say to get by. That's manipulation. And if a person is wise, they would rather you not do something because it's not earnest as opposed to you doing it just to satisfy their momentary need. And nine times out of 10, there's also a reciprocal benefit for you. You see what I'm saying? These kind of conversations can't just be had at no kick it session, at no barbecue. When you have any and every kind of influence in your mind and you're trying to think who, who are you going to offend and who you're not going to offend and how you're going to go back and tell somebody, oh, I have a podcast coming out, but I just want to let you know I'm not talking about you. No, what I am doing right now is I'm speaking the truth and where the chips lay and where they lay is where they lay. I don't have nothing to do with that. Where they lay is where they lay. And why can I say that in confidence? Because I'm standing firmly in my calling. In this journey, I'm standing firmly in my calling. I'm so tempted at times to sway left and right like that tree in the hurricane, but my feet are planted. Because Abba Father, the Lord God, the one that I love, the one that I truly love, who has reciprocated what the essence and the meaning of love is, has never, ever, ever failed me. And in this journey, I've only been in a space of total dependence and reverence in relationship and covenant with Abba. Yes, I am married. The marriage covenant is a three-corded twine. God, husband, wife, zip, zip, that's it. So if the husband is out of order, it's just been me and God rocking this whole time. So even my relationship with God goes deeper than the relationship that I have with the fleshly husband that the Lord has allowed me to yoke with because God has never left me. We just got deeper and deeper in this thing. And because I can see what this spiritual love looks like, my expectation for this human love is on a higher barometer than it was before I knew what I know in this journey. So I challenge you, person, whoever you are, 
The next time you open up your mouth and you tell someone that you love them, can I challenge you to first of all articulate what love is? What is the epitome of love? Because even if you're coming from a human standpoint, from a, from a secular reasoning and not a spiritual rationale, love is still defined as being sacrificial. Are you sacrificial in that relationship with the person that you say you love? Can you do what you don't want to do because it benefits them? Can you not do what you, what you would prefer to do because it benefits them? Can you go where you don't prefer to go because it's their preference over yours? Can you not go where you prefer to go because it's their preference over yours? Can you sacrifice the things that matter most to you because it's something that they need? Can you close your mouth and guard your tongue against gossip and slander and opinion about that person to other people because you are seeking to protect their identity and not slander their personhood over you getting your point across? Can you do that? Let's talk about that. This thing called love is serious to me because I see the blindness in our culture. We've turned love into lust and we've turned the epitome of love into an idol that we wear around our neck and we call it a cross, a remembrance of Christ, so-called remembrance of Christ, but it's become a fad in culture. And people see you and they think that you're Christian and that identifies them with God. And if God is love, they assume that then maybe you must be, have that encompassing on, on you, that you must have that, that uh, recognition, that identity on you. But little do they know you go home and you take that cross off and hang it up on your peon uh, necklace chain with all your other idols, with your gold and your silver and your pendants. What does it mean? Somebody said a long time ago, and then I'm done. They were like, oh, I know what it was. I used to work for an insurance agency for a split moment back in the day. And I was training to process insurance claims. And this dude came in there like, I, maybe I was there two months. So in the two month time, I know I, I saw him at least twice. But on that last time that I saw him in the office, he was explaining that he was racking up on insurance claims because he was looking for a certain insurance company bumper sticker on the back of vehicles. And when he saw that, he assumed that they had insurance, assuming that they had a good amount of insurance, potentially full coverage. So he would contrive an accident to where it would benefit him and they would settle and he would get paid because they've identified their worth or their potential worth or the potential for them to pay out by this bumper sticker on their vehicle. And then as the years went by, I started to notice the fish bumper sticker. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it's, I think it's an inverted fish. It might be three fish. I can't remember how the fish is. But the fish is supposed to symbolize um, fishers of men. And it's supposed to symbolize somebody who's a believer in Christ. And then I started to see the, the um, bumper sticker with the cross. And I think it says, um, in the world and not of it. And then the, the secular cross that is antichrist says something like coexist. But I started to see all these different bumper stickers. And I'm just like, okay, you know, and also too, as a young person, you're not tripping off bumper stickers until you really drive, right? So I didn't really notice bumper stickers like that, I don't think, until I was, until I was 18, until I had a car, I think. And that's how it went for me. And as time went on, I started to notice more and more. And one thing I said is, you know, I don't want to be on the wrong side of the bumper sticker. 
because I know who I know what I believe. And even then, before my theology was the was where it is now, I still knew I did not want to misrepresent myself by putting a Christian um, connecting or connotated bumper sticker on my vehicle. And then somebody bump into me and I go and I make a very emotional response to them. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to put a bumper sticker on my vehicle and then I'd be with somebody and I'm bumping off out the mouth and and they hear my language or they hear the contents of, contents of my, my conversation, but then they look at my vehicle and see the bumper sticker. I reverence God and I reverence the personhood of the Lord God enough to not misrepresent the epitome of what God stands for. So as God is continuing to do a work on me on the things that I do not say, which I'm saying to you, most of which is what I don't understand. I don't, I'm not the type of person to do something because somebody wants me to do it. I need to understand. And then as I get an understanding by faith, I have learned and I'm learning to relinquish whatever that doubt is and just allow the Lord to move and grow me in that thing. But first I need to know what it is. So now that I understand love and I understand, well, by golly, all this while as I'm standing for marriage, that's such a popular term right now. I didn't have a name for it, but I just knew that I was being obedient in this season, in this walk, in this journey of standing for marriage. And as I've been doing that, I see that the resonance of God's love is all over this thing. It's all over this thing. It's all over the stand. It's all over my contribution, which hasn't been me exercising my own strength to do anything. It's me standing on the principles that I believed I was marrying into, that I am convicted of, and then operating out of that. And when I'm not able to, I do my best not to. Love does not exude silence when silence is being used as a form of abuse. I grew up in a household. I grew up in a system where the silent treatment was used often. So I learned how to be silent as a defense mechanism, but by default, that is how I learned. But I've grown to know that the silence that I operate out of in this juncture of marriage is, is a matter of me exercising my right in Christ to not throw pearls to swine, to exercise my right in Christ to preserve the, the soundness of my mind and my peace if another person is trying to bring confusion or if another person is refusing to be honest or truthful, I reserve the right to be quiet. I exercise the right to be quiet as to not exercise my human strength to make something happen. Let's get this thing called love right. Because God also loves those that he chastens. He chastens those that he loves. And I'm not saying that I'm opting to chasten anyone. What I am saying, though, is that the the epitome of love and in that definition is a three 60 experience with God. It's not just giving. It's not just patting on the back. It's not just affirmations. It's also correction. It's also rebuke. It's also, hey, not right now or no. Let's get this thing called love right. Parents, parents of children 
who you want to do the best for and you want to be able to give them the things that they like and you want to be able to honor the things that they want if you're if you are um, able to but parents a boundary is love enabling is not enabling is a, is a selfish action to where you're doing something so that you feel even if it breaks your heart that you feel good about the circumstance that is enabling and a person cannot grow past their roots. So until you snip the weeds, weeds of enabling, you are not loving that person. Until you allow that person to be accountable and actually stand on their two feet and exercise growth so that they will not be arrested in their development, you are not showing them love. You don't show love someone for speaking up for them. Not as a, a, not as a child, not as an adolescent, not as a young adult, and not as an adult. And then you have seniors that are walking around here who are, in, who are unable to speak up and actually express true emotions or feelings because they're afraid of what somebody might say. That is a trauma wound. Someone in their life did not allow them the opportunity to exercise the liberty that they should have had to be autonomous in their thought and to be able to speak freely without any type of punitive rebuke. Punitive consequence. This is deep, y'all. This is deep. I think I'm going to have to do one more episode on this mug. But for now... Peace. Love, a word that comes and goes, but few people really know what it means to really love somebody. Thank you for taking out the time to listen to this episode. Don't forget to follow me, leave a comment, drop a question, then head on over to TikTok and follow my page at Advocate for Truth. Then go on over to YouTube and follow me at Advocate for Truth 82. Peace.